Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Lainey Mays. And Essie Ramirez. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, it's Lainey from the Library Love Fest team. Thanks for joining us. We recently had David Pomerico, the editorial director at Voyager, our sci-fi fantasy imprint at HarperCollins, on Door to Door to speak about some upcoming titles. Um, he did such a wonderful job. He's a great promoter of his books and his authors. And we just thought it might be cool to highlight those books that he talked about on Facebook Live here in an audio format. You can find a list of all of the books he talked about in an Edelweiss catalog in your show notes. And go listen to the full episode of Door to Door that aired on November 2nd on our Facebook page. He talks about all these books that we are going to play a snippet from, but also just some asides or general questions about sci-fi and fantasy. And it's fascinating. So I hope you take a listen and enjoy. Happy reading. All right. I'm going to hand it over to you, David. Thank you. So... 2022, especially spring 2022, is a super exciting time for Harper Voyager. We have so many debuts on our list, Um, whether it is actual debut authors, whether it is uh, debuts uh, that are YA uh, authors now doing adult. Um, We're we're adding a lot of fresh voices uh, to the list. And I can't be more excited about the books I'm going to talk to you Uh, about right now, starting with Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sulin Tan. Um, I don't know if you've gotten your copies of Library Journal yet, uh, but this just got a starred debut of the month review. Uh, So thank you all for, if you were advocating for it, like this is such a special book. Uh, It is the first part of a duology. Uh, We're very into duologies at Harbor Voyager. I'm gonna, you're gonna hear that word a lot. which is weird because it does not uh, spell check correctly uh, on any program you use, but we use the word duology a lot. And one of the things that uh, is so exciting about this is it's a fantasy retelling of the uh, myth of the moon goddess, uh, Cheng'er. And it's about her daughter uh, who is sent down to the immortal realm, has to like flee um, celestial soldiers, uh, and has to kind of find her way in the world. So you have that kind of, you know, lost uh, in the woods vibe, um, but she's very resourceful. Um, and she becomes like the personal companion to the celestial prince, Li Wei. Um, but she doesn't just want to like ride his coattails. She wants to, you know, forge her own path because eventually she wants to be able to get back to the moon and free her mother of essentially the imprisonment uh, of being the moon goddess. Um, In doing so, she becomes a fantastic warrior, like realizes that she has magic of her own, um, becomes 
partnered with a very young, strong general, uh, Wen Ji. Um, and as you can imagine, you got a young woman, two incredibly handsome young men. So you got a little bit of that love triangle. This is right on that border of YA and adult crossover, um, which is something I think at Voyager, we've been doing incredibly well. If you've liked City of Brass from us, um, if you've liked uh, Sarah Beth Durst, I think like this is very much in that uh, that realm. Like, I also think though, like uh, I'm listening to uh, She Who Became the Sun right now. And while that's definitely got a darker, you know, like more of an edge to it, like there, there's a similar vibe of here's a capable young protagonist who is going to do what she needs to do in order to achieve her goal. But this has that lush romantic feel of, uh, a lot of um, Chinese uh, television movie dramas, um, which is, I think, the the part that separates it. That that romance aspect is very much um, tied up into this duology. And the really really cool part about this is that this book comes out in January. Book two comes out in November. So the complete duology will be out in 2022. I think you're going to be hearing a lot about the name Sulintan, and I can't wait for you to read it. Um, all right, uh, I think up next, we have The Blood Trials. This is any Davenport. Um, as you can see, it's a little bit sci-fi. It's also a little bit fantasy. So you've got kind of a far future world kind of butting heads against a kind of magical based um, kingdom. And in the middle, is this young black girl who, uh, whose grandfather had been a war hero for the really modern technocratic society. Um, and he dies. And it turns out, and this is not really a spoiler, he was murdered. So she has to infiltrate the, um, <clears throat> the elite training uh, school for the Praetorian Guards. This is like the special forces um, who not only learn how to like be like the most efficient killers, um, also get like super cybernetic enhancements and really become super soldiers. The problem is uh, the society is very misogynistic. It is also pretty racist. And her, she as a black woman does not fit in. On top of that, she has a another secret, which is she has blood magic. She has the magic of their enemy. If anybody finds out, she is definitely going to get kicked out. She's definitely probably going to be executed. Um, so it's a fine line, a fine balance between, you know, wanting to do well enough to serve her kingdom while also trying to destroy it from the inside. Um, again, duology. So The Blood Trials is book one of The Blood Gift. Um, and the second book, book will be coming out in 2023. Uh, debut author, uh, Nia is incredible. She's got a lot of energy and it really comes across in these books. I really think um, if you loved something like A Red Rising, um, 
that's where this is at. It's definitely playing in that realm. It probably skews again, a little bit closer to that YA adult crossover, um, which if you're asking me, I think that is a very like prevalent trend in sci-fi and fantasy right now. I think a lot of those readers are starting to realize that there's stuff for them on the adult list. Um, it is adult. Uh, there's some really good sexy times, uh, which I'm always a fan of. Um, there's a lot of violence. Uh, there, you know, not everybody survives the Praetorian trials, um, but I, I think it, it builds and builds um, towards that second book, which uh, I know I'm about to get in uh, from the author and I'm really excited to read too. So again, two great debut authors right out of the gate. And, and, and speaking of crossover, um, you might all recognize Rebecca Ross as a best-selling YA author. Um, this is her adult debut. Uh, it is again, a duology. Uh, this is A River Enchanted. It is a secondary world, but it is, you know, very much based off of uh, like Scottish, you know, myths and legends. Um, it, focuses on a, an island very much like the Isle of Skye, um, except, you know, A, there are girls going missing all the time, and B, uh, a kind of border between like our world and the spirit world. Um, and uh, the main characters, uh, Jack and Adara, like, basically have to come together. They do not like each other. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> um, they have to come together and try and figure out A, like how to get the girls back and B, how to like maintain this border between, you know, the spirit world and the, the real world. Um, and one of the keys to that is, is music. Jack is a talented musician um, and like there's magic there. I always love like the idea of the magic of things that like of art. Um, so whether it's like the magic of language or like the magic of music, like it's a very fascinating like idea to me. So when uh, the editor for this book, Vedika Khanna, like brought it to my attention, I was like, yes, you have to get this for the Voyager list. This is right in our wheelhouse. Rebecca is a, super talented writer. If you've read any of her other stuff, you know that. Um, and this was, again, it was just a little bit more mature. It was a little bit darker. It was focused on things just a little bit more adult. Like it, it, it kind of like, like the characters, their responsibilities were not just towards themselves, but towards like a larger population. And I think that is a very kind of subtle distinction. Um, and YA like will oftentimes lead to that. Here, I think that's from the outset. Um, again, duology, this book comes out in February. The second book uh, comes out uh, also in 2022 in the fall. Um, I, I believe the first week of December. And I don't know, I just think like there's something there's always been something magical to us about Scotland, you know, like it's all misty and green and like, especially as Americans, we have like this, you know, idea that there, there's something fantastical about it. Um, I've seen this book um, comps to Ursula K. Le Guin and Patrick Rothfuss, uh, 
not just internally, but by like reviewers, uh, I believe that was PW. Um, I think that's spot on. I think like there is a lyrical nature to this, not just because it's based on music, but I think it, it's enhanced by those thematic uh, connections. And uh, yeah, and I also just, I think this cover is absolutely stunning. So I just think like people are gonna be drawn to this. It's yeah, that is a gorgeous cover. I was just thinking that looking. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, uh, again, like uh, speaking of gorgeous covers, uh, like God of Neverland, um, I'm just gonna shout out cause like he's a, he's a friend, but Chris McGrath, uh, who does all like the Jim Butcher covers uh, did this cover for us. Very different uh, because of the nature of the story, but um, what Gamma Ray Martinez uh, is doing here is kind of a tried and true formula um, especially something we've been seeing a lot, you know, the, the retelling, the, um, the taking of classic tales and twisting them. Um, in this case, though, he's not retelling Peter Pan. What he's doing is continuing the story of Peter Pan about 20, 25 years later. And this is the story of Michael Darling, the youngest of the Darlings, um, who accompanied Wendy and Peter Pan to Neverland a long time ago. And when he came back, he was filled with the wonder of being in this storybook place. Uh, so much so that he felt the need to protect it. And so he joined a secret organization called the Knights of the Round, uh, where basically he and a bunch of other knights would go uh, and protect the narrative. Um, this is part of the Defenders of the Lore series. That's what we're calling it. And um, ultimately something like sucked him out. Like there was a bad mission and he didn't want any more part of it. So he did like the most, he wanted to be in like the most logical profession. So he became like a train engineer <laughs> where everything's linear, everything's on a track, everything's timetables and schedules and gauges. And his imagination started to fade away until one day he gets off the train and he sees uh, an old comrade, uh, a young woman named Vanessa. And basically like, once you're in, you're always in. And they tell him Peter Pan is missing. And the issue with that is that like if Peter Pan's missing, then imagination is maybe being destroyed. And so he agrees to go back. He's the only one who knows how to do it. Um, and as you can see, like he encounters Hook, uh, he encounters some of the Lost Boys. Um, Neverland is kind of crumbling around and it's just action adventure. It is definitely like a boy book, but I feel like it has a lot of elements that um, will appeal to any kind of reader. Um, I, you might be able to see this. Uh, Brandon Sanderson absolutely loves this book. Um, we do have a, a second book. Like the cool thing is the first book is about Neverland. The second book is about Wonderland. So like as the adventures go, Michael and Vanessa are going to you know, be going into different storybook lands and, you know, 
solving problems there. So it's an idea that like can obviously keep continuing. It's probably as close to urban fantasy as you're going to see these days. I I feel like urban fantasy has like been a tough genre uh, unless you're already an established like urban fantasy, but this plays into that historical contemporary fantasy um, where it's the real world but magic is also real. Um, it plays on such similar uh, familiar stories, which I think is a great entry point. Most people know Peter Pan, but probably haven't thought a lot about Michael Darling. Um, this is a great way to like kind of maybe get to know him and maybe you're going to run into people like Wendy and Shmi and all those other like characters that like you're familiar with from either the book or the cartoon. Um I think then the uh, last book we're going to talk about uh, is, you know, written by somebody you might have heard of, uh, Janelle Monet. Um, this is a collection of stories, The Memory Librarian, um, based off of uh, her album, Dirty Computer. Uh, I can't tell you how exciting this is. Uh, for one thing, it has been in my head for four years to do a book with Janelle. She is probably one of the biggest names in science fiction that we don't talk about as being one of the biggest names in science fiction. Um, Obviously, she's a fantastic musician. She's a wonderful actress. She's a brilliant activist. Like, but all of her albums are like built off of this incredible world, Uh, whether it's the Arc Android world or this dirty computer world. Um, like she has created characters and she has filled those worlds with life. What these stories do, and Janelle has connected with five incredible BIPOC LGBTQ uh, collaborators um, is kind of tell like the before, during and after of the album Dirty Computer. Now, do you need to like, have listened to the album? No, of course not. Should you? Yes, it's amazing. She's such a good a musician. Um, but I think everything, like these stories are contained enough and explain enough of the world, each story does, that like you will get a sense of what's going on. And th- the biggest thing is that there's this overarching organization called New Dawn that wants to essentially like steal your memories in order to control how you think and in doing so to keep everybody clean everybody on the straight and narrow to be a quote-unquote dirty computer is to be uh an anomaly to be abhorrent in their mind uh in our mind we would say oh that's an individual that is somebody who has made personal choices um and is just being who they are so whether it's about your gender identity, whether it's about your sexual orientation, whether it's about your religion or your love of a certain kind of music, or just like the idea that like, I wanna be able to party when I wanna party or whatever, like all of that's being repressed. And these are stories that show the lead up to that, show uh, some from the perspective of New Dawn. So the titular story, the memory librarian is 
um, about a uh, very powerful member of New Dawn, um, kind of trying to come to grips with what her power means and how it affects others. Um, it's such a fascinating look at what the future is while as any good science fiction story does uh, touch on like present day issues. Um, you've probably heard the word Afrofuturism a lot recently. Like this is very much in that tradition. So just a, a brief core concept of Afrofuturism is not just the uh, kind of advancement of like black art and uh, black people uh, into a hopeful future as opposed to so like this, like it might sound dystopian, but we would never call this a dystopian world. A, an Afrofuturist world like is all about getting past that, is about envisioning a, a hopeful world that also though taps into not just like the science fiction elements, but the fantastical elements, the, the mystical elements. There's a lot about memory here that's not just about like kind of like erasing memory uh, with computers and, and machinery, but also about tapping into memory um, such as like racial memory and time memory and earth memory. Like there's a lot about connecting with, you know, literal dirt. Um, and that's one of the, the stories um, features Jane, who is the, the main character in Dirty Computer. Uh, that's Janelle Monet's character in the, uh, the short film they did for the album as well. Like there's, there's something about connecting with the ground that has always been part of um, African-American literature to begin with. So if you've ever read um, Song of Solomon, it, it, it's a key aspect. Like I think that's part of the tradition, which is again, what makes Janelle so brilliant. She's like hyper-literate uh, and shows what like you can do by taking classic literary fiction and science fiction and fantasy and coming together and really like just showcasing uh, these brilliant voices within this world. Um, I can't wait. Like, you're going to see a cover soon. You're going to be blown away. Like, um, this is like, and again, debut author, which is uh, very exciting. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Um, and we have that Edelweiss catalog for you guys. So you can go check out all these books, get e-galleys if they're available. Um, Thank you, David. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.